Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Well, this is an episode I am embarrassed to say I haven't done before. Today, we're going to be going through all of the basics for taxes. Now, fun fact, back in my day, so this is like when I graduated college, I studied accounting in, in college. That was my that was my degree, and I thought I was going to love it. Turns out I didn't, but I did work in public accounting for a little while. I was doing external auditing and taxes. And I learned a ton from taxes specifically that it's very complicated. You should definitely hire a professional and that it wasn't for me. But that doesn't mean that I didn't pick up a few things from that job. So today I'm going to break down everything that I know that will help you understand the basics. Now, if you are a seasoned person or maybe you have a business and you are like very well versed in taxes because you pay close attention, this episode may not really resonate with you. But if you're always a little bit confused about what the heck is a deduction, what's a credit, why do we have these things, when do you get a refund, why do you get a refund, what is a 1040, all of these different types of questions, we're going to cover these today. And I'm going to give you some really good foundational knowledge for taxes 101. So let's go ahead and dive into taxes. Now, let me go ahead and insert a disclaimer here. I am not a CPA. I'm not qualified to give you tax advice. So if you need help with your own taxes, please go consult with a professional because that is not me. So this is just for education and entertainment purposes only. Do your own homework, do your own research, always talk with a professional. But let's break it down. So when it comes to taxes, we've got two different types of taxes, right? We have federal taxes and then we have state income taxes. Now, why we have taxes is really for good things I think we can all agree are important. Things like our military, things like schools, road improvement, libraries, any type of public infrastructure, that's why we have taxes. So I would say even like firefighters, police force, all of these things that we can argue is a good thing for society, that's what our tax dollars go towards. And so that's why it's so important that we do have some taxes. I'm not like an anti-tax person, but I am a how do we reduce our taxes as much as legally possible kind of person. I'm going to start this episode off real strong. So if you have little ones, please make sure that you cover their ears because you wouldn't think so, but we're probably going to talk about some inappropriate topics during this episode. But my question to you is, why do you think most drug dealers get busted? Do you think they're idiots? Do you think that's like undercover cops? Like what's going on there? The real answer on why most drug dealers get busted is actually not because of drugs, but because of tax evasion. Because one of the biggest and most important rules of taxes is that anything that you receive, you need to claim as income. Yes, even illegal activities. Kind of weird, right? When I first learned that, I was like, that is fascinating. Didn't expect that, but it, it does make sense. And so I think that's one of the important pieces to know when it comes to taxes is that the IRS basically states anything that you receive is income. Unless, and then they list out certain exceptions. So if you win the lottery, you better believe that is income. If you do a business deal with a partner for real estate and maybe they bought the property and you're doing a build or something like that, that you can't just be gifted real estate. 
that's income tax. So all of this stuff is so fascinating because everyone's situation is slightly different and there is very, very likely going to be a tax code that's attached to that. So the more you understand taxes or at least have somebody that understands taxes, the better off you're going to be. So let's start breaking down one of the things that I see a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about or don't quite understand, and that is what is kind of foundational to our tax system, income tax brackets. Income tax brackets are interesting because these change usually every election year. They can vary because they do. They tend to be a little bit political. They really are. Money is very political in so many ways, and this is just another way that it is political. So because the federal income tax brackets do change, you have to keep up to date with what's going on there. Now, a lot of times people see these tax brackets, which for 2022 federal income tax, I'm going to focus on single filers. So just bear with me on that one. Married filing jointly is also a little bit different. Married filing separately is a little bit different. Head of household is different. Like there's lots of different tax brackets, but we're just going to be focusing on the single filers. So if that is your situation, the lowest income tax bracket currently is 10% in the United States. And that is from $0 up to $10,275. So that's the first bracket. And then we bump up to 12%. And then from there, we bump up to 22%, 24%, 32%, 35 And the highest amount of income tax bracket in the United States is 37%. Now that applies to a total $539,901 or more. So that's the threshold there to, for the 37% tax bracket. So here's where people get this stuff wrong. A lot of times people see the tax brackets and they just immediately assume if I make, let's say $55,000, that directly falls at a 22% tax bracket. So I'm going to be paying 22% taxes on my $55,000 salary. And that's not the way our tax system works. We work in a progressive tax system. So what that means is I want you to think of each of those different tax brackets as a bucket. And the IRS has limitations. There's charts and stuff that will help you guide this. I actually find NerdWallet to have really good charts that will help you understand this a little bit more with some calculations. So if you're just running some numbers just for shits and giggles, you can just go through this and it will tell you exactly what your tax liability will be. So I like that one. But the way to think about it is up to a certain threshold, you're going to pay 10% income tax. And in this case, remember, we're pretending like we're single people here, that's up to $10,275. So we're going to pay taxes on that amount first. So 10% of $10,275, that's how much tax you pay. Now we're going to look at your income and we're going to move it up to the next bucket. So you keep filling up each of these buckets until you are essentially out. So what that means is that you will likely never pay, no, you won't likely, you will never pay a full 37% of your entire salary. It's just not the way it works. But you might pay a portion of your salary at that 37% mark, but it's not gonna be your full salary. So that is so critical to understand. And again, that's called a progressive tax bracket. That's what we're working with here in the United States. So once you understand how the tax brackets work and how that can change, the next thing is to say, okay, if that's the case, how do I get into some of these lower tax brackets? How do I save myself a little bit of money? And that is where our first tax terminology, aside from tax bracket, comes into play. And that is all about deductions. 
Now, deductions are really interesting because deductions are used to reduce your taxable income. I'm going to say that again. Deductions are used to reduce your taxable income. Basically, what this does is let's say you made that $55,000 a year, the deduction would reduce that 55 down to maybe 45 or maybe down to 35 depending on your situation. Now there's lots of different types of deductions out there, but the first deduction that is probably the most critical is called the standard deduction. Now this is just the deduction that you get for being a taxpayer here, here in the United States. And what that is for 2022 is you get a deduction of $12,950. So let's just go ahead and pretend like you have that $55,000 a year salary and you get the standard deduction of $12,950. So when I type that into my calculator, that means it has reduced your taxable income to $42,050. So that already can put you into a different tax bracket. So that's just the standard deduction. That's the deduction every individual gets. Now there's something called an itemized deduction and the itemized deduction is different because this allows you to reduce your taxable income even further under certain circumstances. So with itemized deductions, you're going to find them on a form that's called a Schedule A. So let's talk about when you might itemize. So what you can itemize are certain medical expenses, a certain percentage of those, charitable contributions, again, a certain percentage of those, mortgage taxes, and mortgage interest. So these are things that you're going to write down how much did you pay in mortgage interest, for the year of 2022. Now let's say hypothetically, you're looking at that and you actually paid just in mortgage interest alone, it was $15,000 in interest. So when we look at this and we compare $15,000 for the itemized deduction or the standard deduction of 12,950, 15,000 is larger than the standard, right? So that's what you're going to itemize. So that's what this means. And again, this is going to reduce your taxable income. Why that's important? Because it pushes you into lower tax brackets, which means you're saving a little bit of cash on your federal income taxes. So that's how tax deductions work. Again, those are found on your first page of your 1040, which is your federal income tax form, and it is used to reduce your taxable income. You're probably going to hear me say this stuff over and over again because I think it's so important. Another common deduction that a lot of people will see but don't necessarily recognize that's what's going on is 401k or traditional IRA contributions. So remember, a traditional IRA is different than a Roth IRA. With a Roth IRA, you are investing with after-tax dollars. With a traditional IRA or a 401k, you are using a tax deduction today and then you pay income taxes on that later. So notice it's a tax deduction. So whatever you contribute, let's say you did $10,000 into your 401k, whatever you contribute, we can deduct from your taxable income. That's where this stuff's going to show up. So that is what deductions are. Now, credits are a little bit different. So tax credits, we probably hear this talked about in the news quite a bit too. Tax credits are used to reduce your tax liability. 
So tax liability is a fancy way. I was telling Tony about this. We were talking about taxes earlier and he's like, tax liability. I wouldn't have called it that. I just would have said the shit you owe. And that's another way to think about it. Yes. Credits reduce the amount of stuff that you owe. (laughs) So that's what a tax credit is. Let's talk about some of the common tax credits that we often see. So sometimes you have energy efficient tax credits. So if you do any remodeling in your house and maybe you put in super nice windows that are energy efficient or you did a new furnace or something that really improves your house that was a good repair but also happens to be environmentally friendly, you can sometimes get a tax credit for that if it qualifies under certain criteria. So you can get a little bit of money kicked back in the form of a tax credit. The other tax credits that are super, super common are ones related to education. For education, there's a couple different tax credits that are most common. The first one's called an American Opportunity Tax Credit, the AOTC. This is for students that are within their first four years of school. The cool thing about this is it allows you to take a max credit, excuse me, of $2,500. So let's say after all of these really sophisticated calculations, sometimes it's simple, sometimes it's complex, the amount of money that you should have paid for your federal income tax was, I don't know, we'll say $2,500. Then when you factor in your tax credit, So if you have a tax credit of $2,500 for being in the first four years of your education, then that basically effectively makes your tax bill $0. So that's what a tax credit does. The amount of tax that you should pay, it reduces that directly. So that's pretty cool. The next one is a lifetime learning credit. This is for non-degree seeking post-secondary schooling. And that is a maximum tax credit of $2,000. For both of these, there's limitations. I'm not going to get too much into the weeds on this, but there are limitations with each of these as well. Another tax credit that I think is very common is a child and dependent care credit. So this is for maybe you got to pay for your your little tyke to go to school or daycare, not school, but more daycare or some type of like childcare. So that one you can do up to 35% of $3,000 and that's for one child. So that's just a little kickback. I mean, again, it's not going to make or break anything, but it is nice to get some of your money back. So again, tax credits reduce the shit you owe. That's all it does. Tax deductions reduce your taxable income. So let's talk a little bit about some of the common tax forms that we will probably all receive. One of the most common is any type of 1099. So if you are doing a contract work position where maybe it's like Uber Eats or Amazon Flex or you're doing some freelance writing or whatever the heck it might be, that income is going to be sent to you in the form of a 1099. And so 1099 miscellaneous is the form that's going to show exactly how much money you earned and did not pay taxes on. So if you are paid as a nanny, as a freelancer of any type, you want to make sure that you are thinking about this stuff and that you are reminding yourself to put away some money for this 1099 stuff because it's all considered income and there have been no taxes taken out of that. A lot of times too, just because somebody doesn't send you a 1099 form does not mean that you don't need to include that as income. There are certain thresholds. I think it's $600 is the the cutoff mark where if you earn over $600, 
then somebody has to issue a 1099. But if it's below that, it's kind of on you to be responsible and claim that as income. So that's the first form. You'll also receive a 1099 for any interest that you earned. So maybe your savings account paid you $25 in one year, you're going to report that as income. There's also 1099 DIV dividends. So if you have some investments and they pay you dividends, you got to claim that as income as well. The next form that's really common is a 1098T. Now this is for education. So this is the form that's going to say how much your qualified education expenses were for the given year. So how much was your tuition? How much was room and board sometimes is uh, shown on that. Like if you live in the dorms, then that's where you're going to see that information. And then probably the most common tax form that we have is the W-2. This is if you are a traditional employee, nine to five, part-time. I mean, it really doesn't matter. If you work for a company and they take taxes out of your check, that's where you're going to receive a W-2. And that basically is just saying, hey, here's how much this person earned. Here's how much they paid in social security. This is how much they paid in Medicare. This is how much they paid in state tax and federal tax. And it's just all summarized in one nice form for the government and for you. So that's what a W-2 does. So let's talk about this form because it still directly affects our taxes, but it often is kind of overlooked. And that's the W-4. So the W-4 is a tax form that you get when you first start a job. So they're going to check and they're going to go through like I-9s to make sure you are legally able to work in the United States, like all of that stuff, right? And then they're going to hand you this thing and it's the W-4. And I think the common information that we all received when we were in high school is when you are filling out the W-4 and it says, how many exemptions do you have? I think the advice was always just claim zero, right? (laughs) So basically what this does is this tells how much tax should be withheld from your paychecks, federal tax. So the W-4, if you claim zero, that means they're going to withhold as much tax as possible. The higher the number that you claim the less tax that they will take out. So let's say they also have calculations that guide you on this. So don't feel like you have to like pull a number out of thin air, but let's say you're constantly getting a tax refund and this has been four or five years and we're talking substantial tax refunds, like maybe $15,000, $5,000. Like it's a lot of money every single year you're getting this. What this likely means is that you need to go back and adjust that W-4 so that you're having less taxes withheld so that your refunds are not huge and that you have more of that money in your pocket every month. So that's how you would start to adjust that. Now again, disclaimer again, I'm not a tax professional. I'm just giving you some educational, informational purposes only on this episode. So make sure that you consult with a professional before you just go do what I tell you to do. So please go consult with a professional. Everyone's situation is super, super unique. So now that you have a better understanding of how the basics of your taxes work, let's talk about a huge important concept of refunds. I remember when I was a kid, I used to think that people that got refunds were getting like this huge incentive or this huge like kickback from the government. I was like, damn, that's so cool. I since know that that is not at all what's going on. In fact, anybody that celebrates getting like massive tax refunds, I think should probably do a little bit of tax planning for the most part. Again, this is just my opinion. Everyone's a little bit different. Some people really like getting those large refunds. It's almost like a built-in savings account. But to me, it doesn't pay you any interest. And 
frankly, I think for most people, having that money in your pocket every month is a lot more beneficial and goes a lot further depending on your finances. So let's say you go through the process of getting all of your tax information in one place. You've got your total income, you've got all of your deductions, and then from there you're able to go through the calculation to see how much federal income tax do you owe, your tax liability. When you have that number, then what you would do is you would look in at your W-2s or whatever that we're going to say W-2s to keep things simple here. You'd look on that W-2 form and it would tell you how much federal income tax did you actually pay. So let's say you go through the calculation and your tax liability should have been $3,000. And then when you look at your W-2, you actually paid $5,000 on that form. That's how much you paid over the, the course of the year. So what does that mean for you? As an individual, that means if you had a tax liability of $3,000, you paid $5,000, you're going to be refunded a $2,000 amount. That's because you overpaid. You see how that works? It's kind of interesting. Once you understand this, you start to get kind of nerdy into tax planning. And for me, the goal is I either want to break even and not pay any taxes or pay a very small amount of taxes. And that's trickier now as a business owner, but when I had a W-2 job, it was almost a competition for me to see, could I get it to basically zero? And you can, it's kind of impressive actually. Nerdy, but impressive. A lot of times people too wonder, do you actually have to file a tax return? And sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But the best way to go is irs.gov. And if you type in, do I need to file a tax return? They have a checkbox and a questionnaire that will tell you exactly what you need to do. This is really important if you're like a younger college student and you're not really sure, then go to that irs.gov type in, do I need a, to file a tax return? And it's going to have a questionnaire that will tell you if you need to or not. Otherwise, assume you do. You probably always need to file a tax return. Even if you don't think you do, I would do it anyways. The other important piece when it comes to taxes is knowing what day taxes are due. So our tax day here in the United States is always April 15th. Always, always. Just plan on April 15th. Usually your forms are all going to be sent out to you by January 31st, I think is the due date for forms, but you don't have to file your taxes until April 15th. Now that doesn't mean you should only do that. I, I actually do what's called extending my taxes because I have a business, because my stuff's a little bit more complicated. I tend to file an extension, which basically gives you a little extra time to get your stuff together. And so you can usually submit that at a later date. It gives your accountant more time. Sometimes just taxes are a little bit complicated. And it also allows your accountant to be a little bit more fresh-minded. I think tax season is incredibly stressful. And so sometimes it's nice to have a fresh, more relaxed set of eyes on your taxes as well. So that's another thing. And I actually learned that from an upcoming podcast guest, Sean Mullaney. So I think you'll enjoy that episode too. But all in all, this is, I think, a very basic crash course on all things taxes. I hope it was helpful and I hope that you learned something. And if you already knew all this stuff, great. Send it to somebody who probably needs a little bit of help with their taxes and doesn't seem to understand this stuff. I think this episode is a good go-to for people that need a little foundational knowledge. All right, that is it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.